You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hey, oh, welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I'm Jackie, and we are continuing our conversation from yesterday where we talked about the mistakes that small business owners make and why they avoid the HR side of their business and why actually jumping in and not avoiding it is helping your business scale and grow. So yesterday we talked about an assessment of where you stand. If your business is stuck, if it's vulnerable, if it's jaded, or if it's safeguarded. And then we talked about the four different mistakes that I see. I think I actually talked about more than that, but I gave four examples of mistakes business owners make when it comes to setting up the HR systems. And what I wanted to dive into today, now that I've successfully freaked you out, what you can actually do and what you should be thinking about when you're setting these things up, because it doesn't have to be hard, to be honest. I think the best way to set this up is to try to describe this blueprint that we have over at my company, People Principles. And if you're listening, you're probably not going to see the icon. If you are watching, we'll pop it up right over here. But essentially, it's the People Principles blueprint. And imagine a Venn diagram. I can't even believe that I remember that word from school. But there's a Venn diagram. And on the top circle is employee experience. And on the right circle is compliance. And on the left circle is HR systems. And they all intersect, right? And their intersections provide a lot of support. And there's reasons why they intersect and they kind of reinforce one another. But those three components make up not only peace of mind, but like your HR systems and the HR side of your business. Those are the three things. Employee experience, compliance and HR systems. And hiring goes into employee experience. You'll notice I don't have one for hiring. And so what I want to go through today is how these kind of all work together. So compliance, when compliance and the employee experience overlap, that gives you documentation and clarity. So that helps make sure that your team knows what's expected of them. They know where they're going. They know what they're up to. And there's some documentation going in place of those conversations you're having with them so that your business is protected and it's clear that they know what's expected of them. The beginning of employee experience is like setting clear expectations. Boom, that's the baseline. And then within employee experience, as you get a little bit further away from where they overlap, there's other things like a great hiring process, like performance performance reviews, like new hire onboarding, like open work, how your team works together. All of those things are a part of the employee experience. But where they overlap is they give you that clarity and that cover your butt documentation, right? And then where compliance and HR systems overlap is there's automation. I already talked about this yesterday on the podcast. When you implement an HR tool like Augusto or a platform, it tells you if you're out of compliance in some of the big things. Not everything, surprisingly, but some of the big things. And so you get a little bit of peace of mind in that you're going to be alerted to do something. They don't always do the best job of telling you what to do with it. They'll like, hey, this is out of compliance. And they try to tell you what to do, but it's a little confusing from time to time. I'm not going to lie. But there's that automation piece, right? And then where HR systems and employee experience overlap, you get ease and simplicity. 
So it's easy for employees. They can really self-serve. They can log on. They can see their time off. They can see their pay stubs. They can see their benefits. It's just easy and it's simple. They can request time off from an app on their phone instead of having to email you. They can clock in and out on their phone instead of having to go like punch a time clock. Like it's just simple. It makes the employee experience simple. And so all of those things together really help. A few things I didn't talk about actually that I want to is on the compliance piece. What does that all mean? So compliance is following employment laws. I am not a lawyer. I've said this a million times on the show. What's really challenging for HR sometimes is that you do straddle the line between law and like business. And so some of the stuff you talk about is legal, but never take things at legal advice. I learn these things because I need to know, but I always get fact-checked by real lawyers. And so I urge you to do the same. I'm not a lawyer, but employment laws, and that is both state and federal, come into place in the compliance category. Then there's the required new hire document documentation and paperwork. So that's like an I-9 form. You have to file a W-4 form. That's giving people their W-2s for tax time. That's getting 1099s from contractors. There's required harassment trainings in some states. Like that's what compliance is. There's policy and handbooks. Like you want to have policies in place so that you can hold your team accountable. You can also show, hey, so-and-so who's ever inquiring, here's a signed copy that my employee knew the harassment policy that they knew the dress code policy, that they knew the attendance policy, right? You want to have those things. And not only do you want it to be like, so that you can like prove that they knew it, although that's important, you want to make sure your team knows these things. And so having it written down ensures that they at least read it at once, although you should be like definitely talking about it more often, but you want to have policies and handbooks and all of that stuff. And then there's the required trainings and also just like best practice training. And then in the HR systems, I'm going to go over a little bit of what that could look like. I mentioned payroll and HR systems in the episode yesterday. And I also mentioned applicant tracking systems, but it can also be performance management tools, employee surveys, like employee experience surveys. It could be standard operating procedures or new hire trainings. There are systems for everything in HR. You don't want to get too complicated, but you should know that they exist because they can make a lot of things a lot more simple. So that is the three main parts of HR that you should think about setting up well. The employee experience, crafting it, being intentional with it, thinking about it. The second is compliance. Know that there are things that you need to do that you have to do. And then there's things that are best practices to do. Then you want to set up your HR systems. You want to think about how you want those systems set up. So those are the three things you want to think about as you're looking at setting up your HR processes and your systems and all of those things. So now that you kind of know that framework, you're like, oh, F me. There's a lot of stuff here. This is overwhelming. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. I promise you. And it doesn't have to be boring. But I want to talk about the most important things that you really need to make sure that you're doing first. And so the first part is you want to look at misclassification problems. So misclassification problems can take the form of classifying somebody as a contractor when they should actually be an employee. I've talked about this ad agnosium on so many podcast episodes. So please go back and listen to some of those episodes. But what I will say here is you don't get to just decide if somebody is a contractor or an employee. There are rules that you have to be able to prove that show that it is true and that you're meeting these rules. One could argue there is this overarching all-knowing power 
that is our government might be true, but I haven't seen it in this way yet, where the moment you make a mistake, it's not like a lightning bolt from God and they're like, you are out of compliance, you owe us this much, like Uncle Sam doesn't show up right away. Uncle Sam shows up when there's a complaint. Uncle Sam shows up when you have to fire somebody and it doesn't go well and they file a claim on you. Uncle Sam shows up in those ways. Uncle Sam shows up also when they're looking at your taxes and they're like, most businesses this way actually don't have this much contractor payroll. Let's take a look at this, right? That's how it shows up. And so you don't want to be fixing it when it shows up that way. You want to fix it before. And so that is why you want to look at those things. So classification issues, there's two parts. There's that misclassifying somebody as a contractor when they should be an employee. So the first thing you should do is make a list of everybody doing work for you and look at it and really decide, should they actually be an employee or a contractor? And if the answer is, oof, I don't know, then you probably want to talk to somebody to dig into it a little bit more. I'm going to plug our compliance checklist on our website, actually, because if you download it, there are some how-to guides included in there of like how to decide if somebody is a contractor or an employee that could be helpful. So if you are sitting here listening and you're like, I don't know, literally just go to peopleprinciples.co right on the top. It'll be like, get your free checklist. Just get that and look at that. That will be a great place to start. The point is look at that and decide and really see. And if you have, oh yeah, all of these people should be employees. I can't afford it. Then at least you can come up with a plan on how to eventually get yourself in compliance, right? It's not like you have to run out and fix it tomorrow, but you should at least know like this is something I need to fix in the next couple months here or a year here. So that's the first classification issue. The next is also a compensation issue. And that is where technically this is also classification. It is saying somebody is an exempt employee who's paid a salary and not eligible for overtime when really they should be an hourly employee and eligible for overtime. This is what I've been coached from my legal experts in my world is that all employees are considered a non-exempt hourly employee unless proven otherwise. And I think too often business owners think, oh, they're a full-time employee, they get paid a salary. For some reason, people have equated full time employment with paying a salary. And I don't know why, but that is not true. If you're listening to this, that is not true. You Again, you have to prove somebody is an exempt level employee based on the type of work they're doing, the scope of responsibility that they have, and how much they're earning. And again, on the compliance checklist, we put a little how-to guide on there. Again, I'm not an attorney, so I'm just educating you on a little bit of these things, but this is not at all legal advice. But these are things that you should know when you're hiring people. And so those are the most common mistakes that people are making. And the reason why these are the most important to fix right away is they're the most costly. Both of them are just as costly, but specifically if you are supposed to be paying somebody an hourly rate and eligible for overtime because they also then are eligible for meals and rest breaks. And in a lot of states, they're mandatory and you have to be able to prove that an employee was clocking in and out for meals. And some states even require you to, if they work through their lunch, they have to send you a note every single day saying, they're choosing to work through their lunch. It's insane. I'm telling you, it's insane, but it's what it is. And if you are found to be out of compliance, it can be a lot of money. The look back periods, I don't know what they are. You'd have to talk to a lawyer about it, but it can be long and it can be daunting. So you want to make sure that you're classifying people correctly. And if you are not, figure out a plan for how to start classifying them correctly. 
So many employees, if you go and you tell them, oh, you're going to move to an hourly role now, they think they're getting demoted because somehow in this world, people think that hourly pay means they don't have as important of a job, which I don't know about you. I would prefer to be paid hourly in a full-time job any day, but for some reason that is the case. And so you do want to think about the messaging and how you communicate that to your team so that it's not seen as a bad thing and so that you're not like, oh, by the way, I was doing this wrong. You should have been eligible for overtime. You also don't want to communicate it that way because then that's going to trigger, maybe I should talk to an attorney about this. This doesn't seem right. So you do want to be very mindful of how you make these transitions once you find out that you've been doing it wrong. Classification issues are hands down the most important thing that you fix first, in my opinion. Your lawyer might tell you something different, but I think that's the most important thing that you do. The second thing, make sure that you have signed documents for people. You want to make sure you have I-9 forms, W-4 forms. You want to have all of the necessary forms for people. And you want to make sure you're having people sign offer letters and you want to make sure those offer letters indicate that it is at will employment for everywhere except I think Montana is the only place that isn't that way. And you want to make sure that it's not creating some sort of a contract that you're agreeing that they are an employee for so long. There's certain things about an offer letter you want to be true and included. You want them to sign a non-disclosure. You want to have paperwork clearly outlining what you guys are agreeing to when you're working together, whether you're a contractor or an employee. And then you also want to make sure that you have This does toe the line with accounting and finance, but if you do have people in different states, you have to register and withhold certain state taxes. So make sure you're doing that. And then you want to make sure you're looking up employment laws for all of the states in which you have your employees. So you want to be familiar with what the meal and rest break rules are in each state where you have team members. What are the training requirements required for each state? What are overtime laws? What are minimum wage requirements in each state? What are minimum salary exemptions in each state? Actually, what we do on this checklist is you create a list of all the workers for you and you find out these things. And so those are the places where you need to start. Do you have all of those ducks in a row? And then the other things follow suit after that. So those other things would be like, do you have a place where you're keeping all of these records? You're supposed to keep records, I say at least five years because everything's between three and seven, I think. But at least five years, you want to keep all of this information in one place so that if God forbid there's ever a lawsuit, you have it. Also, don't delete people's emails. You can delete them, but make sure you have an archiving process where when somebody leaves your company, you archive emails somewhere so that they're searchable later. Pro tip. But those are the most important places to start if you're thinking about doing it right. Now, I know these are not systems necessarily, but these are things that you got to fix before you go and start setting up some of these other best practices, which we are going to move into in tomorrow's episode. Once these things are tidied up and fixed, then let's go through, and I think there's six or eight, I can't remember off the top of my head, areas of best practices. And we're going to go through what are like immediate do as soon as you can, and what are like nice to haves later on as you get bigger. We're going to go through what those are in tomorrow's episode. So hopefully you feel a little bit more in control of these things. And it's not as scary as I made it seem. And excited to keep digging into this stuff with you guys. So thanks for tuning in. Are you ready to hire a recruiter to help you in your business? Exciting news for you. 
that can be me and my team. And we believe that the recruiting industry is due for a major upgrade in its recruiting and fee structures. So we have a completely different model than other recruiters out there. We have transparent pricing and transparent fees. Go check out peopleprinciples.co forward slash recruiting for how you can partner with us and let us do the hiring for you.